You might not be feeling this if you are planning on watching the Super Bowl tonight, but football is actually in decline. A new study published in the journal Current finds half of parents do not believe that tackle football is an appropriate sport for children. High school football participation in Illinois is at its lowest point in decades. And kids aren't signing up for football like they did in the old days. To be clear, watching football is as popular as ever. But when it comes to playing football and risking the physical and mental toll of this dangerous sport, a Washington Post investigation found that there are wide divisions marked by politics, economics, race, and geography. We notice that states like Texas, you know, places that you could kind of consider football hotbeds, are seeing football participation either stagnate hmm. or go in reverse. Places like Ohio, places like Michigan, places that you don't think of as ever losing their infatuation for tackle football, but it's happening there. Michael Lee is a sports enterprise reporter at The Post, and he was one of the journalists who was working on this investigation. He and our colleagues found that where you live, how much money your community has, and how politically liberal or conservative your state is all play into whether you play football. But one of the few places where football is still going strong is Mississippi. And it's not just that kids there are still playing football. There are actually more kids signing up. And so we decided to, you know, explore what's happening in Mississippi where it doesn't appear that football will ever die there. And one thing that, that stood out to me was not only that you're seeing an uptick in participation in Mississippi, but you're also seeing representation from Mississippi on the highest stage, which is in the NFL. A.J. Brown cuts it back, looking for the end zone, inside the 15, inside the 10, he's in, and the Eagles have their first lead. Both the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers have players on their roster from Mississippi, which is kind of weird when you think about it. On opening day of the 2023 NFL season, there were 32 players from Mississippi on NFL rosters. And over the course of the season, 43 players who were born in Mississippi appeared in the NFL game. And the state only has just under 3 million people. So you have the highest per capita participation for high school football. And then you have the fourth largest per capita participation in the NFL. So not only is there an attraction to playing football just from just cultural things of it, but there's also a physical representation on the football field of people who come from your communities who are in the league. And it's not a coincidence that this state, where so many NFL players come from, is also where football is still growing. If they can do it, I can do it. So why not go do it? From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers, and it's Sunday, February 11th. Today, in honor of the Super Bowl, we've got a bonus episode for you. We go to a town where football is still king and explain why that is. And we hear from a kid who is part of football's future. We're starting in Starkville, Mississippi, a small city not too far from the Alabama state line. Again, here is Michael Lee. Starkville High is a, is a historic program in Mississippi. They've won seven state championships, and their most recent came in the 2022 season. The team came back ready to repeat as state champions this year. They also understand that, like, in this community, 
if you win a state championship, that you're a legend forever. Pass has a man in the middle of the field. It's caught. No one in front of him. Touchdown, Starkville. Jaden Turnipseed with the first score of the night. Starkville strikes first here in the North. You're going to be on billboards. You're going to be talked about for generations. And if you can even perform at a higher level when you get to college, there may be a chance that you wind up being in the Super Bowl like a Willie Gay or an A.J. Brown, guys who had a chance to play for the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles in the last Super Bowl. And so I think that it's one thing to sort of have this dream, you know, and say, okay, I want to play in the NFL. But it's another thing to know that your dream is somebody you can touch. Like he's going to come back and speak to you and mentor you and be a big brother to you, even while he's doing these dazzling things on the football field. I was fortunate to be in Starkville for homecoming, which is obviously a very exciting time. On a Friday night, you're going to find fans just, you know, entering the stands hours before the game sets off. You're going to see nervous players, you know, in the locker room just trying to, you know, get their jitters down because they know they're about to perform, you know, for a large audience. You're going to see tents set up behind the one end zone where fans are going to do tailgating and have, uh, you know, barbecue and sandwiches all set up. And you're also going to see something that really stands out in Mississippi is you're going to see little kids on the back of the track throwing footballs and sort of idolizing the players that are already on the field. Imagine the day that they're going to be out there doing the exact same thing. So one thing that I was told when I went to the game is like, be sure that, you know, when there's a break in the action or any other time, be sure to look down behind the goalposts and you're going to see the future. You know, you're going to see the next wave of kids who want to play football and want to play for Starkville. Um, and there's a lot of pride in playing for Starkville because that may be the pinnacle for a lot of these kids to be able to represent their uh, hometown and sort of be celebrities. One of those kids who is among these local celebrities is Jamar McCarter. Jamar is 18 years old, and he's a starting linebacker for Starkville High. He just finished his last season. And he's one of the players who's been getting recruited by colleges to play football. So tell me a little bit about your career on the Starkville High football team and what your time on this team has meant to you. Man, it was a, a great career. I mean, ever since I went to uh, 10th grade, I was a 10th grade starter, 11th grade starter. I mean, I started out three of my years, and, and I loved it. Tell me about your fumbles, recoveries. That voice you're hearing chiming in there in the whisper is Jamar's very proud mom, Marnita Kelly. I got the chance to talk to Jamar and Marnita on what was a really big day for them. Jamar had just announced his decision to play football for Copiah Lincoln Community College. I I feel like it's the right decision that he's made, plus the, the thing that made me feel that it was the right decision the most was when he told me it felt mostly like home. Out of all the colleges he has visited, that place, Colin, felt like home. And that's all I want is for him to feel safe. Wow. I'm curious when you knew that your son was going to be a football player. I think it was the seventh or the eighth grade he got very serious about football. He decided to get a weight set. He went outside, started lifting weights until I was able to 
get him an outer shed to put his weights in. So I feel like he started being more serious about football when he got to the middle school. He was determined to be the best that he could be. And I'm, I'm proud of him. I asked Marnita how she feels about her son playing football, given what we know about the dangers of the sport. Every second he's out there on that field, I think about it. But as thinking about it and knowing that this is what he wants, I pray about it and I cheer him on. As a mother, I can't help but to think about it. Uh-huh. Was there ever a moment where you were like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't let him play or maybe I should steer him away to something else? When he was smaller, I could make those calls. But as he got older and he was determined to be the best that he could be, then I wouldn't dare try to stop him. I encourage him to go out and play safe every game. And that's, I mean, that's all a mother could do and pray for the best for their children. But I wouldn't dare try to stop him, you know, to discourage him from moving forward to reach his goals. And his goal is to play in the NFL one day. After the break, we dig into more of the findings of the Post's investigation with Michael Lee. We'll be right back. So, Michael, the reason we wanted to hear from Jamar is because his story speaks to one of the trends that you looked at in this series. But I wanted to learn more about your findings because you and some of our colleagues at The Post have been looking really closely at the state of youth football and what it can tell us about the future of the sport. So tell me a little bit about the questions that you were trying to answer here. Yeah, I mean, over the last decade or so, there's been a pretty steep decline in participation in football across the country. But there are a couple of states where that's not happening, where mm. there is no, not only is there no decline, but there's actually been an uptick in participation in Mississippi and Alabama, are two of those states where you're seeing a greater increase in participation. And how did you decide on Starkville? So there's different communities, there's different parts of the state that all could have been worthy places for me to go to explore, you know, from down south near the Gulf to the Mississippi Delta over the river. But I wound up picking Starkville because it's in this place called the Black Belt, which is this stretch of land in eastern Mississippi in western Alabama where there was large cotton plantations. And so there's a large black community there. And that area that Starkville is in is located as a place that they've sort of rebranded as the Golden Triangle. Mm. But there's also a lot of successful high school football programs. Some of the most historic programs in the state come from that area. Like Starkville has won uh, seven state championships. And so it, it felt like a place that I could center on uh, for this story. You know, I think one of the things that I found really interesting from the reporting that you guys did was the fact that in some ways it seems that football is getting blacker, basically, like at least on the college and NFL level. And I know that you found that it's a bit more nuanced at the youth and high school levels. But can you talk about some of the trends that you saw in the data in terms of how the demographics and economics of youth football have shifted in the last couple of decades? Yeah, obviously, um, there's been a you know larger increase in, in black players participating in the NFL. So that's going to trickle down to college. That's going to trickle down to high school. Because, again, it's a, it's a matter of representation. 
if you're a kid and you're watching sports and you're watching your favorite team, you're going to see somebody who looks like you. You're going to be sort of encouraged to go out there and play because that's that's what that's what represents you. And so I think that's been one of the appeals for a lot of these kids is that there is a future. There is there's college, there's there's NFL. And so I think that when you see that that representation on the field, it's going to lead to people want to play, but also the economic aspect of it. The one thing about Mississippi that stands out is that it's not only just a state that has a relatively large black population, but it also is the poorest state in the union. And there's not a lot of opportunities to do other things besides participate in football. The appeal is to play the one thing that's going to, like I said, give you that sense of pride and give you that sense of uh, community. And nothing's going to provide that the way football does. So in these places where you might think, well, yeah, football is dangerous. Football is, you know, can cause brain damage and can do a lot of things to you. In Mississippi, there isn't that deterrent there because what you can gain from participating far exceeds whatever fears come from being hurt by it. And you got the incentive of a promising future that can come from football. That is much more of an attraction to play in the game than anything, any worry about down the road of injury or head trauma None of that's going to be a deterrent mm-hmm. from pursuing a dream that you feel is attainable and can provide you immediate gratification in this moment. I would love to hear more about some of the conversations that you had with some of the people that you met in Starkville, and particularly with Jamar McCarter, the young man who we met earlier in the episode. Yeah, he's a middle linebacker, senior middle linebacker for Starkville High, and um Jamar was kind of a low-level college prospect. When I met him, I asked where he was from. He just kind of described himself as a country boy. And so he explained to me he's from this place called Moon Farm, which is uh, kind of on the outskirts of Starkville. And it's one of the poorer communities in Starkville. Uh, but it's also a place that's produced uh, some NFL players like A.J. Brown, who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was on the Super Bowl team last year. And another guy who's just on the outskirts of there is uh, Willie Gay, who's on the Kansas City Chiefs. And both of them were part of the state championship team that won in 2015. And they both went on to play in the NFL, but they also are both back in the community all the time. Moon Farm is like a place where you just find dirt roads. You won't find stoplights or traffic stop signs, anything. It's just dirt roads and trailer homes. You could say it's a poor place, but it's really big on community. And Jamar grew up in his household that his mother described as the fun entertainment home. She was the youngest of 10 kids. And so everybody kind of comes to their home if they want to have a good time. And A.J. Brown actually was very close friends with Jamar's cousins. And he would be around there all the time playing. And so if you're Jamar McCarter and you're growing up and you're seeing A.J. Brown is at your house hanging out with your cousins, and then all of a sudden you see... He's in the NFL, you know, one of the bigger stars, one of the best players in football. It sort of makes the dream of being a football player, being an NFL player, feel a little closer to you because you may not see a lot of people uh, in your community who have had a lot of success. But you also know that there is an opportunity for you if you work hard and you do what you need to do, that you can provide opportunity for your family. And so I think that for him, there was always something to keep him you know, motivated and pushing forward. And for him, like, what drew him to football and why was this something that he was so passionate about? Yeah, so I asked him. 
I said, why do you play football? I mean, it's just, I, was, I needed something to do. I've been doing it ever since I was like seven, eight years old. Okay. We go hard because, I mean, a lot of it comes from nothing. And it's just like we don't like to see our parents struggling. And we just have a just go headed mindset. Yeah. And he said, I got to make sure my mom is straight. You know, that everything I do is for her. I want to make sure that, you know, she has a better life. And that's the only thing I'm concerned about is making sure I give her a better life. And and he also explained that when he's out there playing football, that the approach that he takes is that anybody that's coming up against him is trying to take food off his plate. Hmm. It's trying to deny him an opportunity for success. And so when he has that mentality, that means he's going to go harder than a, than a man across from him. Like he's going to hit a, a lot harder. He's going to be a lot more aggressive because what he's playing for is bigger than just trying to win this game. He's trying to win you this know, life. Do you feel like most people from Mississippi have that kind of mentality? Yeah, I do. So if that's the case, what's it like going up against them? Like when you got to bow up? I mean, we just finna bump heads for 60 seconds. <laughs> I mean, I, I ain't finna lay down. Yeah. And like, if he doesn't win this game, then it might affect his chances at having a better life and providing for his mother. And that just seems like a lot of pressure on a teenager, feeling like this sport, you know, the stakes of it, or what is my future, what is my family's future. But also, as you know, there is the concussion issue. Yeah. And you talked about how in some places in the country we are seeing youth football rates go down, in part because of concerns from parents or even from kids themselves about a growing understanding of the impacts that head trauma can have on your life and your future. So I wonder how much this came up in your conversations with Jamar and his teammates and how much they are thinking about this or or worrying about concussions. From talking to him and all the kids that I spoke to, that is not something they concern themselves with because they're just having fun. They're playing a game for fun, and that's really all that matters to them is that they have an opportunity to just go out there and just do what they love to do. And what was was it like, you know, getting hit the first time? Or hitting? Were you hitting? Were I mean, hitting? I was hitting. I was hitting. So, <laughs> I mean, it, feel, it made me feel good. Like, you know, I mean, obviously there's pressure that comes with it and knowing the stakes of what happens if they aren't able to get the scholarship or they aren't able to get recruiters to pay attention to them. But for the most part, the real thing you get out of that is just that community, like I said, and that connection to your teammates and just having that fun. So when you're out there playing, you're not thinking about it that way. You're not thinking about it to where, yeah, I can get hurt. Because if you think that way, you probably will get hurt. But if you go out there and just say, I'm just going to have fun and I'm going to play football, then it probably takes that burden away from you. So I don't, I don't think that ever was a factor for him. You know, I got a chance to speak to Jamar and his mom after you connected us, but I would be curious to hear from you what your conversation was like with Jamar's mom, Marnita. So when I asked after our conversation, I said, uh, when Jamar said, is it okay if I speak to your mother? And he's like, sure. And so he picked up the phone and called her <laughs> and said, hey, mama, I want to give this uh, reporter your number. And uh, is it okay if I do that? And she's like, sure, go ahead. So then he handed me the phone. I was like, oh, oh well, I said, well, I'm going to interview a little bit later, but uh, I just want to let you know I want to talk to you uh, maybe at the game tomorrow. She's like, sure. And I said, your son just told me that you're his inspiration for playing football. And when I told her that, she just got emotional on the other side of the phone. She's like, oh, that's so sweet. So the next day, she came to the football game a little about an hour before the game to talk to me. I started 
worrying after he uh, reached varsity because of the physical contact. However, I talked to him about it. He said, Mama, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, I was like, well, you just need to play safe. You know, so that was my only worry. Injuries are probably at the forefront of most parents' concern when it comes to playing football. The brain trauma from CTE, I think that is something that has become an issue in recent years that has sort of caused most families to shift their kids to playing flag football or other things at younger ages, at younger stages. So when they're getting older and those hits start accumulating in the contact, because you're, you're basically crashing your body into another person like repeatedly throughout the course of a game. And so over time, the wear and tear is, is going to take, take a toll on you. And so I think there's a lot of concern for parents. But I also realize, you know, from talking to parents, you know, in Mississippi and, and you know, getting a sense that that's not going to hold them back. And it's not going to be a deterrent because they put their faith in God in a lot of ways. You know, I had one parent tell me that, you know, in this community, we have a lot of praying grandmothers and mothers. And so they really kind of take the attitude of, yeah, it's, it is risky and it definitely is dangerous. And I know that everyone's aware now of the risk and we're definitely become more conscious of it, you know, over the years and the NFL is trying to do what it can and try to protect players with special helmets and they have specialty helmets, you know, uh, at Starkville high that they use to try to make sure that the kids are not endangering themselves. So I think that's something that they're conscious of, but it's not something that's at the forefront of their thoughts. The other thing that stood out from my conversation with Ms. Kelly is that she wanted to make it clear to me that she loves where she lives. Like she loves being from this rural community and being in the country. She loves her family. She loves being around them. And that's what she wants. I feel like they looked down on Mississippi for quite some time, up until the time that AJ really made it. And then they started noticing us more. We have a lot of talented athletes here. And I feel like they looked down on Mississippi for quite some time. And the beautiful thing about being in Starkville, the thing that really stood out to me, the thing that touched me the most about being there and, and talking to these people is that it really helped change my perception about what we really value, like what is true poverty? Is material wealth really all mm -hmm. that can make you wealthy? Or can you be wealthy by your surroundings, by the love and support that you have from a community, by your family, by people who you know are really down with you and really want to see the best for you? Like mm -hmm. you can have all the money in the world, but you can be lonely, but you can have this whole community and never have to want for anything. And like, what trade-off do you want? Like, what is most important and what's valuable to you? Mm -hmm. So, Michael, what are your takeaways from this reporting? And what do you think this means for the future of football if these trends continue? Well, one thing about Mississippi is that they're not going with the trends for football throughout the country. You know, football may be declining elsewhere. It's definitely not happening here. But if you look across the country, you can see that more kids between age 6 to 12 are playing flag football than they're playing tackle football. So everyone's sort of moving away from this brutal game that, you know, you have to prove your toughness. Like, you, you can do that later down the road when you're a little more physically mature. Here in Mississippi, the people... They're not really concerned with that. There's a toughness that comes from playing. There's a toughness that comes from a community where you break horses and you sometimes you get kicked in the face. There's a toughness quotient that I think a lot of these kids try to fill at a very young age. The rest of the country is not moving in that direction. And so a lot of the people with money, a lot of people who uh, are from 
more progressive backgrounds are probably going to steer their kids away from a brutal sport. Whereas in other communities like in Mississippi, their objective is just to get their kids out there to have fun and play. And whatever risks that come with it, they come with it. You know, the rest of the country might be going one way, but they're not going that way because the incentives of playing the sport far exceed any deterrence. You know, Chris Jones, who is the coach of Starkville High, he was very open about what he has to deal with as a coach, some of the hardships that his players encounter, the fact that so many of his players are on reduced lunch program, most are free or reduced lunch, majority of his team is, some of the challenges they face in terms of making sure that the players are fed, you know, because they've a lot of these kids, lunch might be their only meal for the day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he would tell me that, you know, he's not in this for money. He's in this to try to help improve the lives of these players and show them that, yeah, football's a means, but it's not the end. You know, it can be a way to get a better life. It can be a way to get an education. It can be a way to leave home and see what else is out there for yourself so that you can know that Mississippi is not anything and everything. It's like there's more out there to this world. And this is the opportunity for you to go out there and explore and see what you can take from it. You see that that there is a lot of danger and a lot of risk when it comes to playing football. But there also is hope that can come from a very violent game There's not a lot of beauty in the violence of football, but there is a lot of beauty in the hope that comes from uh, believing that this could be your crystal stare to a wonderful future. Um. Michael, thank you so much for sharing this story. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Michael Lee is a sports reporter for The Post. This episode was produced by Emma Telkoff and edited by Maggie Penman. It was mixed by Sam Baer. Thank you to Casey Shaper, Joe Tone, and Dave Shinen. If you are interested in learning more, check out The Post's incredible series examining the decline of tackle football. It's called The Divided States of Football. It looks at how geography, race, politics, and income are shaping the future of America's favorite sport. It is really fascinating and worth your time. We'll put a link in our show notes. I'm Martine Powers. Have a relaxing Sunday. Enjoy the game if you're going to watch. And we'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.